Hello there. This is an incoming transmission from Obi-Wan Kenobi. Welcome to the Credible Nerds podcast with Mark and Justin. This is the podcast you're looking for. Don't go about your business. Stay here. Well, go about your business and listen. And then you can move along. Move along. And may the force be with you. Random Inks Productions and The Credible Nerds present 15 Arguments as to Why Star Wars The Phantom Menace is a Great Star Wars Movie. Welcome everyone to this episode of Arguments as to Why The Phantom Menace is a Great Star Wars Movie. This is episode 3 and we'll be talking about the different planets and what they mean and who lives on them and all that fun stuff as far as episode one goes. My name is Justin, and as always, I have my co-host with me, Mark. Hey guys, how's it going? So we'll start off with the planet that we first see in the film with the planet of Naboo. Naboo ends up being a key planet throughout this prequel series we end up seeing in episode two and three as well. But Naboo is the home planet of Queen Amidala, as well as Senator Palpatine. And it's a very pretty planet, um, very green and rivers and all kinds of cool stuff um, the there's two different races as far as what we see that live on this planet there's the gungans and then there's the humans and at the start of the film they are living separate and there's some a little bit of animosity there we don't really know the history but they're not working together and the gungans they live underwater in at the time of the film starts in a hidden city and there's these bubbles that contain air and they kind of live in there and that's where they're at. And the humans live in just normal cities, but these cities are very uh, elegant and pretty and beautiful and a pleasant place to live. So that's where we start out. That's where the taxation of the trade routes occurs. And they are trying to force Queen Amidala to sign the treaty so they can get what they want, get the money. And that's where the, the main battle at the end of the film takes place is on Naboo. Yeah, so that's, that's Naboo. Naboo is pretty cool though, right? I mean, it, it seems like... I don't know. I guess the most, I don't know, thing I can think of, most parallel would be like a nice rich farmstead out in the middle of nowhere, right? Like an estate. Yeah, like an estate, right? I mean, it's not huge. You don't see vast armies and, you know, like millions and millions of people. Maybe there was, you just didn't see it, right? But it just seemed like, I don't know, like almost, yeah, like you said, just in the state of people and, and they lived nice and they lived wealthy, you know, wealthy within their own means. And it, it was just kind of interesting, you know, to see it and uh, just this sidewash planet almost like it just didn't never seem like anything would be going on there. Yeah. And it is in the outer rim, the same you know, way out there in the middle of nowhere type place. But it's, uh, Tatooine was out there as well, but it's a little more pleasant than Tatooine and a little more utopian. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a place I wouldn't mind living in. I would like yeah. going there. Well, yeah, it looked nice, right? I mean, it looked lush and green. And then, it, you know, you had, you know, palaces everywhere. And then even, you know, underneath you've got, you know, the water, uh, you've got the Gungans living and they lived well too, right? It didn't look like anyone was wanting for anything. And, uh, you know, just, just a cool planet, you know what I mean? And it was, it was nice, nice to see. And I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was really, really well done. Yeah. Yeah. Great designs. So then when the, the heroes escape from Naboo and they end up going to Tatooine, which is a place that is key to the whole saga, 
Um, that's where they end up finding Anakin and his mother, Shmi Skywalker. And it's a desert planet. It's like there's sand everywhere. There's canyons and rocks. And it is the opposite of Naboo, right? There's no, there's hardly any water and there's no trees. There's no green. It's just dirt everywhere. So they spend some time, they get, you know, their hyperdrive gets damaged. So they have to land there, make an emergency landing and try and track down replacement parts. So it's a harsh environment, uh, two suns. So it's very hot there. Yep. I, we've seen it before, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. um, not much it, to it. <laughs> yeah. Not much to it. Just a, a great, exactly what you think from a rim world, uh, you know, that really out of the way, pretty poor run by smugglers. I mean, yeah, did the huts run it and, I mean, they keep those people downtrodden and take all the money. Yep. A lot of uh, scum and villainy, a lot of different aliens there. We see the Jawas, we see the Tusken Raiders in this film briefly, as well as some new aliens. But yeah, so they eventually get the parts they need and they escape back and they head back to Coruscant, which is the main planet in this film. And it's a metropolitan planet, which is the, the main center of the galaxy where the Senate is and the Jedi Temple is and you know, these major organizations that run the galaxy. It's on Coruscant and it's just, the planet is just this one big city thing. Manhattan as a planet is basically what it is. So um, it's tons of, tons of people, millions and millions, billions of people. Something interesting about this uh, planet, it, George Lucas did write about it in the early drafts of Return of the Jedi, that the, you know, the final lightsaber battle was going to take place on Coruscant or on this planet. It had a different name at the time. I think he called it Had Abaddon, which ended up resurfacing in later video games and things like that. But uh, in that that concept was was eventually trashed. The final battle took place on the Death Star two. So then, in the after Return of the Jedi was done, uh, they started writing books. And in 1990, there was the first Thrawn trilogy written by Timothy Zahn, and he's the one that came up with the, the name Coruscant. And then when the, in 1997, when they released the special edition films of the original trilogy, uh, they inserted a brief scene at the end of the film of everybody celebrating on Coruscant. So we got to see our first uh, scene of that in 1997. And then in this film in 1999, we got to see Coruscant more fully fleshed out and what it was all about and what goes on in Coruscant. Yeah. So uh, Coruscant, I'm looking it up, says that is a, approximately one trillion people, right? And uh, the only time I've ever heard that number is when we're talking about, you know, United States debt. Yeah, the debt. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think we could actually comprehend how many people that is. And uh, but seeing Coruscant for the first time, I mean, you're talking the center of, of pretty much everything, economy, power, you know, the senators live there, the Jedi live there, anybody that's anybody lives here, right? I mean, it is... So much money on that planet. Yeah, I mean, it's up and up, and it's huge, huge skyscrapers everywhere. I mean, the traffic is, you know, I don't even know if they have actual cars that drive on the, uh, you know, down at the bottom, but I mean, they, you know, there are ships everywhere and stuff. And it's actually interesting. So I was, I was looking this up and this is something that, you know, before about, you know, Vader, you know, becomes Vader and stuff. Uh, and I don't know where this comes from, uh, but it's a quote and it says, 
This is about Coruscant. And Sheev Palpatine says to Anakin regarding Coruscant's underworld. He said, do you know what the rarest resource on Coruscant, my boy? And Anakin says, I'm not sure. And he says, sky. Down here, the sun is a myth. <laughs> and so I'll let you know how big those buildings are in, you know, and that these people like the rich have never been to the surface. You know, they live on the up and up and, you know, that they're happy to stay there. It's just crazy to think a trillion people can survive on a planet. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty big. And I read somewhere that there's mountains on there, but they're, they've been covered with buildings and things like that. But at some point there was mountains and lakes and things like that, but it's just been taken over by buildings and cities. Mm-hmm. And, and, and there's many levels. Um, you can go to the underground and there was going to be a video game called 1313. And that was one of the levels. It was level 1313. So um, there's just apparently hundreds of levels that you can go down before you get to the bottom, to the ground level. Jeez. Yeah, that's, uh, that's insane. Uh, <laughs> well, what did you say? It was 1313? Thir- yeah. So what I see, I and I mean, who knows what's right? There, there's so much wikis and things. So what I'm seeing, this says this, Coruscant's surface was defined by its urban sprawl, which collectively was called Galactic City. The dense city blocks were built on top of each other with, with the lowest level being one and the highest reaching level 5127. Huh, okay. So 5,000 levels, over 5,000 levels. Yeah, that's that's what it says. I mean, you say 13. I mean, and it, it could just be, uh, you know, different wikis, like counting different things, maybe like 1313 represents, I don't know. Well, it was level 1313 that was the video game. Like, I don't, they didn't really release a lot of details, at least that I saw, but that was where this video game took place, was on level 1313. So if the top level is 5127, so they got to go down what? Like 400 levels, 4,000 levels, 3,000 some levels. Yeah, it's like, (laughs) I mean, you're pretty much entering a different atmosphere, right? At that point. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, science fiction is good for a lot of things. This isn't really science fiction, but I think a planet that is a city is pretty sci-fi. But good sci-fi explains those type of things. Like how can there be 5,000 levels on a planet and how can people live on a, even a level 13, 13, if not level one, you know, cause you think about the logistics, water, air, you know, how do they pipe that down there? You know, just things like that. It's just crazy to even try and figure that out. Oh yeah. And you know, they got, you know, they're, they're a completely different economy, completely yeah. different, you know, social system, uh, everything. Right. I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't go down there. And I think that's uh, kind of what it's talking about in the new rebels, right? Or not the new rebels, the new clone wars when uh, Ahsoka goes and lives down there. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I think we saw the trailer of that. Yeah. We saw her on that speeder bike trying to escape and she heads down there, goes down that big sink, that big hole where people are going up and down on their ships to go escape down there. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I think we're going to find out, you know, more about that. I mean, maybe those questions will be answered uh, in in this next one. So that'll be kind of cool. Yeah, it'd be good to see more of that. Definitely, they they did explore it a little in some of the earlier, like not earlier, but some of the later Clone Wars episodes, but not a lot. It's just that it was, you know, there was people down there. But so maybe we'll see some more of it. That'd be cool. So yeah, those are the main planets. Really, the only planets of Episode One. I can't think of a, another one. Yeah, yeah, not in episode one. Those were kind of the big, the big ones there. I think that's really all. 
yeah. uh, anything that goes on. But I think Coruscant was by far awe, like one of those awe moments, like, holy cow, look at this place. And you get to see the Jedi temple and it's just like this. That's awesome. Yeah. Yep. So definitely add a lot of flavor to, to the film, to the saga, a lot of background. I mean, just thinking about it, you start to have all these questions, you know, who lives down at the bottom? How many levels are there? What do people do for jobs there? You know, how rich are people? So you just, your mind just starts running with all these questions, you know, what's over there on this, when they show a scene from the film, you're like, oh, what's that building over there? That's pretty cool. You know, are there lakes? Are there mountains? Your mind just goes crazy thinking about all these things. And that's just, that's just good, good storytelling. So and it's just a, a small thing relatively compared to the whole story, but it adds depth and flavor to the story. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, hmm. Now, now I, I'm sorry. I'm like distracted. I keep thinking about, man, are they going to talk about this stuff in that new show? Yeah. <laughs> now I'm going to have to watch it. I'm going to have to get the silly Disney channel thing and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yep. So, yeah. Well, I want to thank you guys for joining us on episode three of our new series, Arguments as to why Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace is a great Star Wars film. And next up, we'll be talking about the Force. Pretty big concept. We're introduced to it, and we see some of the powers of the Force. So we'll get into that and what that means and who can wield the Force and what it is. We'll talk a little bit about midichlorians and what that means. It's a big, hot topic. But um, yeah, so that'll be our next episode. So I want to thank you guys for joining us. Definitely join us on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Let us know what you think, what your favorite planet is, what you think of Coruscant. Was it well-developed and a good uh, planet that was introduced? And we'll talk about it. So let us know what you think. So we thank you guys for joining us on this episode, and we'll catch you next time. See you guys.